Hey, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to a quick shot on the Martinis with Scott channel. I hope you had a great week. I know ours was certainly interesting. Let me adjust that screen a little bit, uh, see if we can get it more straight. Today, we're going to do a quick talk about uh, different approaches to acquiring a troubled business. Um, I'm traveling uh, back east next week, and one thing I'm doing is uh, due diligence and heading to a negotiation on, uh, on buying a troubled business. Uh, which is something that we do for a living, and so I thought, I thought, well, we could do a we could do a quick structural conversation about approaches to at least buying a troubled business. You will uh, you'll find this is a very complicated and detailed topic, and I think we ought to cover it on the Martinis Wisconsin channel. But it'll probably take several shows. Let's just do a broad overview of structure. No martinis on a Friday morning. It's coffee time. All right, um, when I talk about buying a troubled company, the first thing we need to understand is what I describe as a continuum of trouble uh, because, because troubled companies are not all the same, right? At, at one extreme, as I describe it to, uh, to our stakeholders, you can have companies that are, are bankrupt, they're worth nothing uh, or very little, and you can have companies at the other extreme of troubled companies where they're really not financially troubled, they're just not doing great. They need operational improvements and and they maybe they need a small restructuring, they need some better cash flow management, but it's an improvement situation. It's not a, a death situation, a life and death situ situation, you know, and everywhere in between. And when you're on those, where you are in the continuum, continuum impacts everything. It impacts the type of turnaround um, managerial, uh, turnaround leader that you need, the managerial team. Um, it impacts the transactions that you can look for in terms of financing and divestiture and acquisition. Uh, it impacts the way that you go about the turnaround and it impacts the attitude that you have um, as a leader, the sense of urgency that you may or may not have. Um, so it's really important to know if you're looking to, to acquire, which is what we're talking about today is being a buyer. If you're looking to buy a troubled company, uh, to fold it in as a strategic acquisition, something that's synergistic, you just think it's a good deal, if you're looking at a buyer, if you're a buyer and you're looking at a target, you need to understand where it lies on that continuum. For the purpose of today's discussion, I'm looking at companies, I'm talking about companies where the share, let's define it as the, the shares have no value, okay? So they're unable to get more financing, so they're in trouble that way. They're more or less out of cash, they're in trouble that way. Nobody wants to buy the company because it's a mess, they're in trouble that way. And if you were to liquidate today, the shareholders would get nothing. Now, that sounds like a dire situation if you're not, you're not used to that business, but in, in our world, <clears throat> that's a lot of the trouble company work we do are exactly in that situation. So it's not uncommon, okay? And, uh, and it's important, there's great opportunities to be had to bolt on to your current business, uh, but you need to know what you're doing. And so that's what we're talking about today. Uh, acquiring, investing in troubled businesses is an art. It is not a science. Um, you have to have some experience and, and so you need to, you're going to need to get help, but it's important to know the questions to ask and the approach that you ought to be taking to this. And then if you get more experience and you're successful, well, then you can, you can do it on your own. Um, here's in my mind, the two fundamental tricks to understanding how to invest and buy a troubled business. And number one is you need to understand the pecking order of the of the stakeholders 
or to put more professionally, the priority of the capital stack. So what does that mean? You think about it, if you just think about a balance sheet and you're thinking about the right-hand side of the balance sheet, which is your, which is your liabilities, who ranks first? If you're liquidating this company, who gets it first? Well, the bank. They're first secured. More than likely, they've registered their, uh, their security, so they'd be number one. And then under that might be a second secured. Um, and then under that would be unsecureds, which are your trade suppliers and uh, this and that. Maybe your first thing, by the way, ahead of your first secured would be, although it's not in my notes, but um, deemed trusts, uh, government things, taxes that you haven't paid. Some of those would rank ahead of the secured creditor. So you got taxes, you've uh, deemed trust taxes, you've got your first secured creditor, you've got your second secured creditor, you have your unsecureds, and then your shareholders, and it goes in that order. And to buy or invest in a troubled business, you need to understand the pecking order or the priorities of the uh, priority order of the capital stack. Um, and and it, it gets way more complicated than that, with leased equipment, um, fixed charges. So if you have a term loan on a specific, think of a mortgage, there's a good example. You know, the mortgage doesn't rank first over your receivables, but it's a specific security over that piece of real estate, which only on that asset ranks ahead of everybody else. <clears throat> so you need to understand that if you're able to structure a deal. The second thing you need to do is understand the value of the security. So let me give you an example. So you, you know what what uh, what order, what the pecking order is, but what is the value of each one of those things? <clears throat> and without that, you can't do it. Understanding how that works, you can't do a deal. So let me... Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a small business and assets of say $10 million. And that's what they are on your balance sheet, historical cost, mark to market, whatever type of asset it is. Uh, but you have $10 million of assets. Let's say if you were to shut down today and liquidate those assets, you have, they're only worth 6 million, right? You're gonna lose some receivables. Uh, the equipment that you're running isn't worth the same as what you paid for it. You know, all that furniture that you spent $50,000 on or $20,000 on is worth zero in a liquidation. You may have to pay somebody to move it. So it's a real problem. Anyways, your liquidation is, just for hypothetically, say $6 million. Let's say you have bank debt of uh, $5 million. So your first secured in the priority is, uh, is $5 million. Let's say this company you're looking at has $500,000 in second secured debt because they borrowed money from a family friend before and this fellow took security or this, this lady took security um, for the $500,000 investment. And then your unsecureds um, in this company that you're looking at are $5 million as well, the same as the bank debt. Um, and unsecureds being trade suppliers, et cetera. So you've got 5 million in bank debt, you got 500,000 in second secured, and you have 5 million in unsecured for total liabilities of, uh, of 10 million 500,000 and you have total assets of 10 million dollars not awesome but not so your equity is negative 500,000 in that example uh, that would be the book value of the shares uh, right so 10 million in assets minus 10.5 in liabilities is negative 500,000 for the shareholders book value nothing to do with reality uh, other than accounting but your <clears throat> that's not a horrible situation now, let's look at it on a liquidation basis. We said our 10 million in assets were worth 6 million. So who's first? The bank, 500,000, sorry, 5 million. Now you got a million left over, who's second? 500,000 to that second secured on liquidation. So now you have 
500,000 left over, right? So 6 million uh, in assets, paid 5 million to the bank, 500 the second secured. So what's left for the unsecureds? $500,000 to pay $5 million. That's 10 cents of the dollar. That's all they're gonna get. And of course, I'm ignoring fees to do all that. They're probably gonna get zero. Um, but uh, just for our easy example, they're gonna get 10 cents on the dollar. And what are the shareholders gonna get? Nothing. That's an example of understanding your security. Now, if you're gonna buy that company, what are you gonna offer the shareholders? Because you're buying shares? Nothing, right? Because that's what the, the value is worth. So <clears throat> just remember that you're, you need to understand your, your pecking order um, of the stakeholders and you need to understand the value of their position before you're able to make any intelligent structuring deal or investment um, into a troubled company. All right, so let's talk about how to go structure a deal. Again, it's an art, not a science. I'm not trying to you know, write your formula here, um, but there's three different ways to, to go about this and, and really four ways because you can start combining them. To buy any company, it doesn't have to be troubled, you can buy the shares, right? Um, to, to end up with ownership of the entire company and therefore the business. You could buy the assets from the corporation as opposed to the shares from the shareholders. And when you do that, so you set up a new company, an acquisition vehicle, or your current business already, and you buy the assets out, um, and you end up with the business and you leave that whole corporation behind. You can thirdly, in a troubled company, you can look at buying the secured debt. So in our example, you could go to the bank and say, hey, you're, you're owed 5 million. The value of, of your security is 5 million. I will pay you 5 million. And they might sell you their debt and their security. So you become the bank. And what can you do with that? Well, you could, you could then act on that security. You could foreclose on the assets. Uh, put in a receiver, it just depends on your jurisdiction, wherever you are in the world listening. But as a, as a bank, you know, they can take over and liquidate. If you buy their position, you can take over and liquidate or not liquidate, called loan to own. So let's just walk through a couple of the pros and cons on each one of these uh, uh, approaches. So with shares, if you're, if you're buying a troubled business um, and you're going to the shareholders and you're, you're, you're buying their shares, the upside to that, one of the pros is that you, you own the company. Um, at the end of the day, and therefore you get upside in the turnaround, right? You're just a business owner. And it's easy because now you, you own all the shares, you own, you're the director of the company. You can then integrate this with your existing business. If that is your plan, you can turn around and sell it. You know, you don't have partners on it if you own, if you own all the shares um, and you've acquired it that way. So it's a, you know, it's a way to participate to give you upside in the turnaround but there's all sorts of negatives. There's all sorts of cons associated with this. Uh, remember your remember your pecking order. You own the shares, your last call on liquidation proceeds, right? You have your bank, you buy the shares, you still have your bank for 5 million, you still have your second secured creditor for 500,000, you still have your unsecured for 5 million, and you just bought a piece of paper that puts you in control for a little while, but it's worth nothing. And when it all goes wrong, you get nothing out of this deal, um, and you may even end up being the one that's that sued as a director. Um, so it's a uh, it's a, the most risky approach to buying a troubled company. Uh, when you buy shares, you assume all the liabilities of the corporation, not personally, but the liabilities are still there. You buy these shares, 
uh, from the current owner, as I said, the company still got five million in bank debt, 500,000 uh, second secured and five million in unsecured, right? That still exists. You haven't dealt with that problem at all, uh, which is a big issue. Other problems with buying shares, this is a troubled business and troubled businesses usually mean the accounting is sucks uh, or it's not done or it's incomplete. So not only are you assuming the liabilities that you know about, but you're assuming all the liabilities you don't know about, which is the big issue. What have they not accounted for? What are they lying to you uh, about? What isn't on the balance sheet? Significant issue. Um, and you have to restructure the thing anyways, um, because your only leverage, um, you're unable to restructure effectively because your only leverage to restructure the second secured and the unsecureds is to be the first secured. From a position of a shareholder, you're reliant on whatever protections are available in the jurisdiction that you're in to do a restructuring. We're going to do a show on that uh, uh, soon, I think this month, uh, in March anyways. Um, but you're, you're reliant on formal uh, legal remedies available to you as a shareholder to try to preserve value because you have no leverage in a out-of-court uh, negotiation or very little leverage anyway. So that's buying shares, pros and cons, buying assets. Pro, you step away from the unsecured. So if I buy the assets of the business, I take them, put them somewhere else, well, all those other liabilities stayed behind and I don't have to deal with them. So, and all the stuff that I didn't know about, the contingent liabilities, the unrecorded stuff because the accounting's terrible, I don't have that problem anymore. Uh, so that's a, that's a pro of buying the assets instead of the equity, which is the primary reason you see almost always, not almost always, but a lot of the time, let's say 70, 80% of the time, that troubled business acquisitions are asset acquisitions, not share acquisitions. Of course, another pro is you own the assets, which means you own the business. You have to go hire the employee separately, but you get what you're looking for in terms of either an investment or a bolt-on or an integration into your existing uh, business. So that's good. Cons. When you buy those assets, do you own them? Do you own them free and clear? There were secured creditors who had security registered over those assets. You have to deal with them right? So you may have to pay them out in full as part of that transaction. The bank's not going to let you take those $6 million liquidation value of assets and move them over here without paying them their $5 million first. Same for the 500000 guy. Um, fraudulent conveyance. If the unsecureds in our example think they're worth five hundred dollars and they got zero and you took off with the assets and put them somewhere else, maybe there's an issue associated with that. Um, so you need legal advice. It's not as easy as you think. And often what people look for is a vesting order from a court saying, yes, here's a court order that says you own these assets free and clear. And you get that vesting order by going to court and, and working out an arrangement with all of those other stakeholders that deserve some money. What about your key suppliers? Let's say your unsecured's got zero. Well, you just left $5 million of unsecured credit in the other company and you know, in my experience, uh, a third to half of those are important suppliers to the business that you now want to run and they didn't get paid anything. What are you going to do about that? You're going to have to sort that out. Uh, you have to transfer all your material contracts. Let's say you have a lease uh, on the real estate, leased equipment, um, customer arrangements, all of that stuff needs to be transferred to the new corporation, which may not be that easy. And you've left behind all the tax losses, because this was a troubled business, you left behind all the tax losses in Oldco, in the uh, Target uh, Corporation, from which you just bought the assets, pros and cons of buying assets. Third, buy the secured debt. 
as I explained at the beginning, you're going to go to the bank, you're going to say, hey, I want to buy your, your debt and security, and you buy it them. The, the, the purchaser and the vendor is the acquirer in the bank. It's not the target company in this situation. If you do that, <clears throat> you've put yourself uh, in first place in the pecking order on the priority uh, the priority order of the capital stack. So now you have some leverage. Now you're in good position, which means you have first call on liquidation value of assets, just like our bank did, because you're the bank now. And if you have first call, this is much less risky than it used to be. Cons, you bought the bank, so now you're the bank, but you don't own the business, right? The shareholders still own the business. So what are you gonna do about that? Well, your your only option is to is to negotiate which is probably not going to work, or to act on the security, um, foreclose on the assets, put in a receiver, whatever happens in your jurisdiction. It's the old loan to own. Um, it's the old loan to own model. It, although you weren't the original, the originator of the loan, you acquired it for this purpose. Um, and another con to this is, you know, your worst case scenario. Well, your worst case scenario is it didn't work. You have to liquidate, and the liquidation values that you thought were there were not. That's a worst case scenario. But the company, if you buy their debt um, and you say, hey, I'm gonna act on this and you go through the process, well, they can just pay you back. Like you can pay the bank back. They could go to somebody else, borrow some money, pay you out and you're out of the deal, All right? So there's the downside to that. Um, so you've got buying a business, buying assets, buying the secure debt and doing something with it. Or four, some, I know there's only three things, but the fourth is a combination. Let me give you a combination. Uh, for example, you could buy the secured debt, foreclose on the assets, and move it all to a new company. So that is both buying the secured debt and buying assets. There's a combination. Um, you could buy the secured debt um, and act on share pledges to end up with the shares, right? So there's a way to combine these things uh, together. Um, I'm going, as I said, for a negotiation uh, next week and what we're doing because we want we just I don't want to do the deal if we don't have control of the ownership and to be high in the priority orders we're going to buy the bank out if we get this deal done but as part of that we're also buying the shares for nominal consideration and because the people that own the shares have other considerations other issues and we're helping them with that so we're paying sort of in kind if I can put it that way but we're combining those two things we're buying shares okay which gives us the upside but we're also buying the first secured debt. And I need to warn you that combining these things, wearing multiple hats is 100% of the time a legal issue. The law is different in every jurisdiction that you're in. You need legal advice. And the way you get legal advice is you come up with your idea, then you go to a lawyer and say, what are the pitfalls with this? Okay, because even most lawyers are not good at structuring what you ought to do for the acquisition because it's, it's not cookie cutter. It's specific to every single deal. All right, so in the end, um, how do you what how do you think about structure go about uh, buying a troubled company investing in a troubled company remember that it's an art not a, not a science experience matters perspective matters get somebody experienced at that and uh, and get some help uh, when you get good at it do it yourself uh, remember that the local law impacts a lot what you're trying to what you're trying to accomplish so Come up with the structure, but then go get some legal advice or be damn sure you know what you're doing uh, and that the assumptions you are making um, actually work in law. List out all your goals. Why are you owning the business? What do you really want? What can you afford to leave behind? Um, know who your stakeholders are. 
know where they rank uh, in the priorities and uh, figure out a structure that works best for you. And no structure is going to accomplish everything and take care of every uh, stakeholder. So when you figure out the structure that works the best, but not perfect, then you need to kind of list out in your mind or on a piece of paper, these are the people that got that I have, these are the issues and stakeholders that I have not dealt with yet in this acquisition structure. What am I going to do about that? For example, unions, um, mortgage, uh, mortgages on real estate. You know, often these things are unique regardless of the structure that you come up with and you need a solution for those as well. Here's a really important piece of advice because I see it over and over and over again. Try not to be an asshole. <clears throat> be respectful, be professional, uh, be fair to everyone in accordance with their priorities in the pecking order. Um, it's really important. Why? That's not a touchy-feely thing. There's a real practical reason for that. Um, it's because the odds are, not 100% of the time, but at least 50, maybe more, that you're going to end up in court. You're going to be going to the court uh, for help to seek protection to do a restructuring or to act on your security because you bought it from the bank or to get a vesting order through a formal process. You're going to the court. And when, the best way to think about going to court in these situations is that you're asking the court for help. Help me preserve value for the benefit of all stakeholders in reorganizing and making some hard decisions. That's what you're doing when you go to court. And if you were an asshole and hyper-aggressive coming into this deal, that's gonna reflect on the way the court handles your file. So this is not a personality thing. This is a practical business thing. Treat people fairly throughout the process. Treat them with respect. Be respectful of the capital stack. Don't cheat. Uh, in terms of moving assets around and in the, in the long run, even the short run, you're just going to be way better off because that will come back to bite you. I see it over and over and over again in this industry. Mitigate your risk and uh, you do that with structure um, and work with somebody who knows what they're doing. That's the bottom line because this can be a hugely, hugely profitable and exciting thing to do <clears throat> both as an investor and as an acquisition tool for your existing business. But it's also, if you don't know what you're doing, it's high risk. If you do know what you're doing, um, it, can be, it can be profitable <clears throat> and not that risky. Uh, there's a great arbitrage there uh, on the knowledge side for risk. Thank you for listening. This has been a quick shot on the Martinis with Scott channel. Please do me a favor. If you like this content, subscribe. It helps out a lot. And I hope you have a great weekend.